Hello, and welcome to Pause Pop, positively pop culture, where we talk about the things we love enthusiastically and without guilt. I'm Carrie Gessner. And I'm K.W. Taylor. Today, I'm very excited, we'll be talking about the TV shows Moon Knight and Obi-Wan Kenobi, as well as the Netflix movie Senior Year. Yes. And I got to say, yes, we are recording this on your birthday. So happy birthday. That's true. Thank you so much. (laughs) (laughs) We will not be recording one on your birthday, which is in four days. But (laughs) no, yes. (laughs) By the time this airs, we will both have had birthdays. (laughs) Yes, true. All right, so uh, you are sort of the MCU person in our relationship. <laughs> yes. And I know a little bit about Moon Knight, but I've heard sort of mixed things. So tell me all about it, please. Yes. So I'm actually not super far into it. I've watched okay. the first three, um, and it's six episodes total for the first season. I don't know if it's been renewed. I, I'm, I'm not sure yet. Hmm. But this is airing on Disney Plus, uh, Moon Knight. And I mean, they're calling it a mini series, so maybe they're not planning on a second season. But anyway, this is a little bit unusual. And the character of Moon Knight is not one of the more well-known Marvel characters, but it <laughs> and it's a little bit complicated to describe <laughs> what he is and, and what his deal is. But <laughs> The show starts, we meet this guy, Stephen Grant, played by Oscar Isaac, and he's British and he works in a museum that seems to have kind of like archaeological things uh, that have been taken primarily from the Middle East and Egypt and stuff. And uh, he's very mild mannered and, you know, keeps his head down. He works in the gift shop of the museum, but he clearly also knows a lot about the artifacts and stuff. He's kind of a Egyptology buff, basically. And when we meet him, he thinks he has like some kind of sleepwalking disorder because he frequently wakes up injured and stuff. And he, when he goes to bed, he like, like shackles himself to his bed so that he doesn't go sleepwalking. Wow. And he thinks that's what's wrong with him. But he figures out pretty quickly in the first episode that there is another personality um, living in him um, named Mark Spector. And oh. it's not just that he has a second personality and has dissociative identity disorder, which he did not realize, but that Mark Spector also is a superhero <laughs> with another alter ego called Moon Knight. Oh, wow. Okay. That's a lot. <laughs> it's That's why it's kind of confusing. <laughs> So Stephen, and also Mark is American, like, so that's, that's weird. And he's married. So oh. Stephen has a lot that he has suddenly learned very quickly. Not only that he's got another personality, but that his second personality has a wife and his own secret superhero identity. And Moon Knight is what's called an avatar of this being, let's see... Sorry, it's like an Egyptian moon god named Konshu, who is voiced by F. Murray Abraham. Oh. And Konshu has taken Mark as his earthly, like, stand-in avatar representative, and this gives him, like, speed and strength and agility and basically, you know, your, your main cadre of superpowers, very similar to the kinds of powers that Jessica Jones has. 
just being really fast and tough and stuff and fighting abilities. And so the Moon Knight is sort of working on trying to prevent this other former avatar of Konshu, Arthur Harrow, played by Ethan Hawke, from taking over the world by summoning this goddess called Amit, um, who is going to exact justice on people going who are going to commit crimes in the future. Oh. So Harrow wants to basically kill people before they have the chance to do bad. Mm-hmm. And he thinks this means that he is going to enact world peace, but it's in a very, cre- it's, it's sort of like, um, I don't know, trying to do a lot of bad in order to affect good eventually. Mm-hmm. But he also has like a little cult around him and is so deeply creepy. Oh. In the he he looks like a monk. In the first in the first episode, we see him break a glass and then put the broken glass in his shoes and walk on the broken glass all day oh. and using a cane, as if to just constantly be in penance. Wow! And he speaks very softly and gently and acts very <laughs> personable, but it's so creepy, mm-hmm. so creepy. So anyway, Moon Knight is trying to stop this and the thing is that's interesting is that mark and steven kind of eventually start to be able to communicate with each other and sort of work together and what's also funny is that the way that the moon knight kind of sub personality is sort of activated he just wills this sort of gray pearl colored outfit on that covers his face and he has a cape and stuff but What's funny is that whether Mark or Steven is in control of the body at any given time, he looks a little bit different. So Mark's oh. version of Moon Knight is a lot more superhero-y with a cape and a cowl. And because Steven is a little more nebbishy, his version is wearing a suit. <laughs> so he, but he still has like the full facial mask on. So huh. they kind of call that variant Mr. Knight because he looks <laughs> kind of more like an office worker or something. Wow. But yeah. And also Mark had been a mercenary before he was called upon to be the Moon Knight avatar. (laughs) So he already had a lot of training that Steven really didn't. Okay. So yeah, it's just, I don't know. It's, it's really confusing, (laughs) but it's very full of action. Okay. And it's also got some comedy because the, <laughs> F. Murray Abraham as the voice of Konshu is like weirdly sort of funny and like <laughs> not not very caring and yet he's I don't know, it's just sort of like he get he loses patience a lot because if Steven is in control, he's very scattered and can't really cope and function and um so he gets frustrated with him. But it's like you're learning things about your own psyche and self that you had no idea about and and it's also like the the disassociative personality or identity disorder is almost secondary to like it's inherent in the character regardless of his status as a superhero. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of about mental illness in a certain way, but also learning to cope with your mental illness when you realize it and trying to be functional and not just as like a regular person, but as this superhero and whether... Whether this is an obstacle in the way of being heroic, can someone who is kind of psychologically damaged 
be also heroic. And I think that's a really interesting thing to, um, to think about. And the other cool thing, the other cool thing is that every episode's closing credit sequence uses a song by a rap group that has been banned in Egypt. So there was kind of like a, a purpose of like de-censoring things and stuff and kind of bringing the attention of these musical artists to, uh, audiences around the world. So I thought that was really cool. And the score is written by an Egyptian composer. So oh, cool. there's because there's kind of problematic things about archaeology, and I think that they are trying to do stuff about reclamation and, you know, just bringing the, the real Egyptian culture to the audience. Yeah. Well, that's great. Yeah. That sounds really cool. So I think you would enjoy it. It is a little bit frenetic. And <laughs> okay. My favorite word for some of these shows is stressful, and it is yeah mildly stressful at times. Okay. But yeah, it's really fun. I enjoy it. Cool. I'll have to check it out. So now that I know what it's about a little bit more, it sounds interesting. Yeah. It is interesting. Awesome. And Oscar Isaac, I really enjoy as an actor. Mm-hmm. And of course, I was first introduced to him through some of the Star Wars films. Yeah. And you have been watching a new Star Wars show, also on Disney Plus, correct? Yes, I have been watching Obi Wan Kenobi. I am going to try to be normal about it. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm surprised you haven't watched it yet, actually. But at this I point, will, I feel I like you're just trying to irritate me. <laughs> no, 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 no. I just I'm watching so much, and it's hard, yeah. and I want to give it proper focus. So okay. tell me why I should start it soon. <laughs> Well, by the time this episode airs, all six episodes will be out. So, you know, if you wait until next week to start it, you'll at least have all six episodes available to you. So I think that might be a good reason to wait. Okay. So, yeah, everyone basically knows what Star Wars is and who Obi-Wan Kenobi is. But there is a giant chunk of time, 18 years between Revenge of the Sith and when we see him again, he's played by Ewan McGregor in the prequels. And then we see him again in A New Hope, which is the original first Star Wars film, where he's played by Alec Guinness. And of course, he looks so much older. <laughs> and you're like, what <laughs> happened to him in these intervening years? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and this series attempts to answer that. So I think everyone was very excited when this got announced. Mm-hmm. I love Star Wars, but I'm also a little bit cautious because I don't, I'm a little bit cautious about the inundation of media there because there's so much now mm-hmm. and it's just like, I don't know if we need all of these Star Wars things, <laughs> but I started watching this and I was hooked <laughs> from like the first minute. I was like, I think this is the best Star Wars series out there right now. I don't, I can't, I don't want to compare it to the movies because they're such different animals. Mm-hmm. But I think this does a lot of amazing character work because it starts 10 years after Revenge of the Sith. Mm-hmm. And Obi-Wan is living on Tatooine in self-exile, sort of trying to watch over Luke as much as he can. But it's clear that he and Owen, who's Luke's uncle and who's raising Luke, they butt heads a lot. So he doesn't really get to see Luke. He just sort of stands creepily from afar and looks at him through binoculars. (laughs) Normal. Yeah. (laughs) So he like works at some 
terrible job like cutting meat or something and he oh. you know he so you see him in his everyday he gets on this big transport and goes out to his job and then does his job and comes back and he doesn't get paid very much he gets ripped off by the jawas he's like not having a great life you know <laughs> <laughs> but one thing i think that is very exemplary of his character is he sort of uses what little savings he has to buy Luke a toy, a toy aircraft thingy. Oh, which is, yeah, it's just cute. And you're like, you're adorable. <laughs> <laughs> you're not the best uncle in hiding, <laughs> but you're doing, your, you're doing a, as good a job as you can. Okay. So I think everyone saw the trailer and we were like, this is going to be about Obi-Wan and Luke, right? Is that what you thought? Sure. <gasps> It's okay if you did not think that. <laughs> I mean, we all thought it was going to be like set on Tatooine and, you know, about his relationship with Luke. However, mm-hmm. that is not really the case. So we also, in the first episode, get to see some of young Leia growing up on Alderaan. And Aww. I know! As soon as she was, she was introduced, I was like, I'm in heaven? This is all I wanted from a Star Wars <laughs> TV show. Aww. So she's 10 years old and she's very precocious and she's growing up with Bail Organa and Queen Breha of Alderaan. And Breha like loves her, but she's also like done with her shenanigans. Oh, is she she a bit spirited? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, she's a bit spirited. She'll like run away to the forest and like count all the the ships that go by and Bale is really encouraging of of her willfulness and her personality and everything and Brea's kind of like you're a princess <laughs> like you've <laughs> got to be here when visiting dignitaries come and stuff like that oh so what happens to set the whole plot into motion is that Leia does try to run away from something and she runs into the forest and she gets captured Mm-hmm. and Bale calls on Obi-Wan because he's like the only person he knows that has the resources and the skills to go rescue her. Okay. So I got really mad at Obi-Wan because at the end of the first episode, because he was like, my, my job is to protect Luke and I can't <gasps> leave. I know. I know. <laughs> and Bale was like, Leia is just as important as her brother. And he sort of, I don't want to say guilt trips him into it, but he makes him realize that, yeah, his duty, even though he's looking over Luke, he's looking after Luke and Bale's looking after Leia, like his duty really is to both of them. So he, he leaves and he goes and tracks her down. So it sort of becomes an, I don't want to say it's an adventure because that sounds like it's more fun than it actually is, but (laughs) in the sense of like the characters are having fun, you know? Yeah. Because they're not. (laughs) (laughs) But what happens, what you find out, is that there are some people called the Inquisitors who are trying to track down all of the remaining Jedi and kill them. So Rupert Friend plays the Grand Inquisitor. He is unrecognizable. (laughs) (laughs) Sung Kong plays Fifth Brother. And then one of my favorite new characters, 
Inquisitor Riva. She's known as Third Sister, and she's played by Moses Ingram, mm-hmm. and she's incredible. <laughs> and I, do, I don't want to give stuff away, but basically she has engineered Leia's kidnapping to draw Obi-Wan out in order to please Darth Vader oh. and work her way up the ranks, basically. Mm. So... Darth Vader makes an appearance, played by the one and only Hayden Christensen, and I'm so happy that he is back, and, like, people are excited about him being back, because I feel like he and Ewan and all of the people from the prequels got got a lot of flack for the prequels. That was sort of unfair. (laughs) So he's back, and Darth Vader is legitimately terrifying. (laughs) Like... (laughs) He's scary in the original series, and he's mm-hmm. scary in Rogue One, but this is like, oh my gosh, I would probably pee my pants if I saw him in person. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, a, it's, it's very much about this sort of cat and mouse game push and pull between Obi-Wan and Darth Vader, who used to be Anakin Skywalker, who used to be Obi-Wan's Padawan, and basically his brother. And there's just a lot of, like, pain there. (laughs) Oh. I know, but, like, it's a good pain. It's a good, like, story. It's a good emotional story, and I think they're doing it really well. And Leia does bring some lightness to it, but she, you know, you're also like, oh my gosh, you're a 10-year-old, and you're going through all this stuff, and that's really, that must be really hard. Yeah. And I've heard some people talk about how they don't really get this show because there's no tension because ever you know that Obi-Wan and Darth Vader and Leia and Luke survive. But I think that's sort of short-sighted because it's not about the end point necessarily. It's about how things unfold mm-hmm. and how they affect the characters. So you're seeing Obi-Wan at a really vulnerable point in his life he has not used the force in 10 years so he's really out of touch with that aspect of himself and he has to not relearn it but he has to trust himself enough to get back in touch with the force in order to save someone and in the that process he sort of is reminded that there are good people in the galaxy and there are there is good in the world even though things look so bleak under the Empire. And at the same time, you know, it's about the scars that Leia and Obi-Wan get on this journey and how that affects them later on. And I think there's so much tension in whether the side characters survive. Oh. Because you've got people helping them along the way and you're like, I've never heard of you. <laughs> I don't know if you <laughs> I don't know if you survive this. And some yeah. of them do and some of them don't. So that's, there's some really tense moments involved in those situations. And I just want to run through really quickly a few of the guest stars, or I don't know if you can call them guest stars because, you know, it's only a six episode show, but Indira Varma plays Tala and she is wonderful. I was very excited when she was announced. James Earl Jones comes back as the voice of Darth Vader. He's like 91, so shout out to him for coming back to this iconic role. <laughs> <laughs> O'Shea Jackson Jr. plays Roken. 
Maya Erskine plays Sully. Flea is in this for a couple episodes. <laughs> <laughs> and Kamal Nanjiani plays Hanja Estri. Hmm. So yeah, I just, I think it's really good, really well done. It's directed by Deborah Chow, and I really just want to shake her hand. <laughs> the theme song is done by John Williams, but the rest of the score is done by Natalie Holt, and the score is really great. And even though I think it's really well done as a whole, if you're not a Star Wars fan, I don't think you would really care about this. I feel like you have to really be a big fan of both the original trilogy and at least the prequels a little bit to care about it that much. But mm. but yeah, I think it's... I'm just so excited for last episode. Every Wednesday, I like text some of my friends and text my brother-in-law. And I'm like, did you see the episode yet? <laughs> <laughs> like, can we scream about it? <laughs> so yeah, I am having a great time with it. I can't wait for the last episode. I can't wait for you to watch it so we can talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love Star Wars. Shocking no one. <laughs> I, I know. I'm very predictable, but yes. that's okay. That's okay. That sounds really fun, and I will I will get to it, I promise. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> Take your time. Yeah. But we both watched a Netflix movie that mm -hmm. is a comedy that's very far removed from Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, this was called Senior Year, and it's on Netflix, and it came out May 13th, so it's been out for a little bit. And I hadn't really heard reviews too much, mm -hmm. one way or the other, but you kind of proposed that we watch this, and I was very glad that you did, because it was really, really excellent. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. So, yeah. One of my friends recommended it to me, because, yeah, it's I knew it came out, and I was kind of like, oh, that, that looks cute maybe i'll watch it sometime but i don't i would not have watched it so quickly if it weren't for my friend recommending okay. it so yeah glad we both liked it why don't you do you want to give us the plot sure it's a very kind of silly premise which <laughs> has a lot of plot holes in it let me be clear <laughs> so this girl stephanie who as a teenager is played by angori rice she is recently moved to the U.S. from Australia. Her dad is American, but her mom is Australian. So I feel like they must have met in Australia, and then they came back to the U.S. And she feels kind of left out of the American teen scene. And she decides, I'm just going to throw everything I can, all my effort into becoming popular. So she gets on the cheerleading squad and makes captain. She gets a really cute boyfriend. She she, But she still keeps her friends that she had from before she was popular, mm -hmm. except that she's kind of obnoxious with them and they get <laughs> irritated with her. But she's determined to become prom queen. But she's like mostly pretty happy and living really on top of the world. But she has some enemies among other people on the cheer squad who are think she's being a little full of herself. So they sort of conspire to not catch her in this very complicated cheerleading move, like being at the top of the pyramid at a pep rally. Yeah. She's supposed to jump off and they're supposed to catch her and they don't catch her. Which is terrible. <laughs> yes, it's awful. It never gets addressed, but we just want to 
make it clear that our stance is that's terrible. Don't do it. <laughs> yes. I don't care how much you don't like somebody. If they're doing a stunt, you have to be there and understand that you're all human beings and you should protect each other. Where was their coach? Where was their coach? Anyway, there should have been a net. <laughs> I will also say that what happens, she she gets so, so damaged through this that she's in a coma for 20 years and wakes up at age 37, suddenly played by Rebel Wilson. <laughs> <laughs> and she wakes up and she's fine mentally and physically. And I just have to say, she probably would have hurt this. I was really complaining about this to some people <laughs> later that it seems like she would have hurt her back and maybe mm -hmm. her head, but that this would have been a traction situation. I don't know that they would have, that she would have been in a coma. And that if she really hurt her head that badly, I don't think she's waking up after 20 years out of the blue and is like, <laughs> fine. But but she is so we're gonna go and she seems but it's pretty a like ninety minute movie so it's a ninety minute movie yes. it's actually a hundred and eleven minutes but it's a comedy so we're gonna give it a pass right we're gonna give it a pass <laughs> and she's only mildly upset that she's thirty seven and she now looks older and is you know essentially a very different person but she's only mildly upset about that she's more upset that she missed her last month of high school so yeah. Specifically prom. Specifically prom. And so she makes a new vision board. She'd had a vision board before. And she's like, well, I don't care. I'm going to get back on the cheer squad and be captain again. I'm going to be prom queen. And I'm going to graduate. And it's going to be fantastic. And she's going to get her old boyfriend back, even though he's married now to her high school enemy. And it's fortunate that her friend Martha is now the principal of their old high school. So... Even though she's not really very in favor of this, Martha does let Steph come back to school to finish out this month, which yeah. is just a really bad idea. So. <laughs> yeah, it makes no sense at all, but it's a movie, so I went with it's, it. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> and <laughs> despite KW's annoyance with all of these plot setups... <laughs> It is an enjoyable movie, as long as you can yes. suspend your disbelief. <laughs> yes, yes. But continue, sorry. No, that's okay. But I mean, it goes as about as well as you think, and everything's fairly predictable. And, you know, but I'll say, you know, part of the comedy is watching someone navigate the almost time travel element of like, well, you missed 20 years of the world. So she doesn't <laughs> understand. Like it was 2002 when she went into the coma. She doesn't understand cell phones. She doesn't understand social media. She doesn't understand new music and fashion and all of these things. And so, but she's very like smart and adaptable and like she catches on and it's mm -hmm. just kind of funny watching her sort of reorient herself and what, what would excite someone who is mentally 17 right? if they skipped from 2002 to 2022. <laughs> so that's, that's kind of fun. Yeah. I thought that was a, a really fun aspect of it because the soundtrack was all of the all of this music from the early two thousands, mm -hmm. which is what I listened to in middle school, and I was like, "This is great! I love, <laughs> I love that they're playing Bewitched during this movie." <laughs> oh, I was yeah. I there's a lot of Britney Spears references. Mm -hmm. She looks like she's wearing a Delia's catalog, and I used to like <laughs> get those in college and like look at all the giant jeans and the little barrettes and stuff and think oh these clothes are amazing and will always be in style and uh 
Yeah. And I want to give like specific props to some of the actors who play the grown up characters. And the thing, and I messaged this to you, like, half of these people were in After Party, which we just talked about (laughs) on a very recent episode. So Sam Richardson, who is on After Party, plays her high school friend, Seth Novacelic. And Sam Richardson is phenomenal at playing the kind of awkward guy who's charming and handsome, but doesn't think of himself that way, and is kind of very funny and nerdy. And he's grown up to be the school librarian. I don't think he looked like his teen self at all, but that's okay. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. Yeah, that's okay. And then Zoe Chow plays Stephanie's nemesis, Tiffany, who has married Steph's boyfriend, Blaine, who as an adult is played by Justin Hartley. And um, Chris Parnell plays Stephanie's dad. He's phenomenal. Mary Holland plays the grown-up Martha. And... Brandon Scott Jones from Ghosts mm-hmm. plays one of the teachers who is so funny and yes. so clueless and doesn't really get all of <laughs> Stephanie's weird 90s and 2000s references and stuff. <laughs> but yeah, every every actor, both the the teen actors and the older actors are really, really great, really, really funny. As you mentioned, the soundtrack is really good. There's some little Easter eggs, which I won't spoil, of some cameos that come up and stuff. But... I, when I finished this, I was crying. Mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah, I was, I was very surprised because my friend suggested this and I was like, oh, this looks like a cute comedy. And then I was just sitting on my bed weeping and I was like, yeah. I can't believe you recommended this to me. <laughs> yes. It just gets really, really heartwarming toward mm-hmm. the end. She learns so much. And there was one, I won't really spoil that specific thing. There was something that traumatic happened to her as a teen that it was glossed over. And I thought, you know, they're not dealing with that. This makes her look really bad. And then they kind of did deal with it. And then it was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to lose it. I'm losing it. And <laughs> just, I don't know. Yeah. Every character gets their moment to have kind of catharsis and realization and growth. And it's just, it's just really sweet. And it is also oh. like, there's a tragedy here that this poor woman really missed out on all of her 20s and is now, you know, <laughs> approaching middle age, basically. And yet she's not really that upset about that part of it. Mm-hmm. And just kind of is like, okay, well, I'm just going to pick up where I left off and it's going to be fine. So, oh my gosh, I'm getting choked up. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> no, but yeah, I thought it was really just sweet all around. Yeah. Because, yeah, she has a good attitude toward everything, mm-hmm. uh, even though she loses sight of some things, as all protagonists do sometimes. Yes. But even though, you know, the whole message is even though life doesn't always turn out like you think it will, or if life doesn't, if your life doesn't feel as glamorous as other people's look on social media and stuff, mm-hmm. or just, you know, from the street when you're driving by in a car you know, what matters is what you do with it and who's in your life and and keeping the people you love close and things like that. And I was just like, yeah, this is really sweet. I like this. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, Rebel Wilson, just she's been so funny and so charming. And I think she's just kind of a joy to watch as an actor. I love Mary Holland, mm-hmm. the dude from Ghost, whose name I can't remember. Brandon Scott Jones. Thank you. <laughs> Who was actually one of the co-writers of the screenplay also. Oh, I had no idea. 
He wrote that with Andrew Nauer, Arthur Pielli, and then it was directed by Alex Hardcastle. This was Alex Hardcastle's first feature film. He's best known for directing a bunch of beloved sitcoms like The Mindy Project and The Office and New Girl and Grace oh. and Frankie and Parks and Rec. So wow. this is the reason this is filled with people who seem very sitcommy and that everything <laughs> feels that way. It's because this guy, that is his, 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 uh, I don't want to know what I'm going to say. His wheelhouse? His wheelhouse. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. Thank you for that knowledge. I had no idea. Yeah. Yeah, and I also, like you mentioned, Angoria Rice plays young Stephanie, and I thought she was really great. Yes. And she she matched up her mannerisms with Rebels really well, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it was just, it was an all-around good and yet emotional time. <laughs> yes. Probably most people would not be as sobby about it as maybe we were. I don't know. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> no. I will. I will say, in my defense, like, I watched the end of it really late at night and I okay. was kind of tired and I and I feel like I was having kind of a bad day and it just hit different so mm. I don't think that was the intention for it to make people cry that much but <laughs> it's just very touching so if people think it looks too fluffy it's really not it, it yeah. does have some substance to it so yeah 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 well I'm glad we both liked it so much yeah thank you to my friend for recommending it <laughs> <laughs> All right, so next week, we are going to have a special episode on vampire-themed media, which I am very excited about, because this is a big topic for you, KW. (laughs) And we're going to talk about vampires in pop culture, as well as the new Netflix series, First Kill, and the solo RPG, Vampire the Masquerade, Night Road. Our theme music is by Joseph McDade. You can find me on Twitter at Carrie Gessner. And me on Twitter at KW Taylor Writer. And you can find the show on Twitter at Pause Pop Podcast. You can email us at positivelypopculture at gmail.com. You can also find our website at positivelypopculture.com. And from there, you can find the link to the merch store. And please rate and review the show wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening. Stay healthy and safe. And join us next time for another episode of Pause Pop. <laughs> <laughs>